Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. It's a beautiful Sunday night here in our new home in Central Texas. It's been a minute since we've been on the air, but it's good to be back talking sports with my fans. You have reached the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. I want to thank you for tuning in, whether or not you're listening live or if you're listening on an archived episode on Blog Talk Radio or if you listen to a podcast on iTunes. Just want to say thank you for taking the time uh, to listen to what I got to say. I'm going to talk a little NBA, a little NFL. We've got some exciting things going on. But more than anything else, I'm just happy to be back on the air. As I said earlier, I relocated. I'm no longer in the great state of Georgia. I have returned home. The prodigal son has returned back to Texas. Looking forward to some Texas high school football some college football in the area. I've already been blessed uh, with some dear friends who have taken me out to different things to show me. Uh, I got to go to the spring scrimmage over at Texas A&M University thanks to uh, former uh, foe and friend Lance Jackson. Been steadily going to Temple High School's football practices, watching my two cousins uh, do their thing and uh, work out. Uh, Jeff Carr, star running back, and uh, Jermaine Townsend, who is a will be a junior offensive lineman in a battle to start on that offensive line at Temple High, which I do believe will be a very good team. Uh, I have a lot of faith in Coach Spratlin, who I met earlier in the week. And uh, although he went through a situation where uh, he had uh, an accident in his home, I'm sure everything is going to be all right. But let's, folks, again, the call-in number on the show if you want to call in live, it's 347-945-7975. That's 347-945-7975. You can call in now while the shows are live, or you can catch the next episode when we're on probably Tuesday night and call in then. I know this is kind of a last-minute uh, show that I threw together to get back on the air, but it took a while to get some things situa- situated but I am definitely glad to be talking to you again. Let's get right into it. We just got through finishing the first round of the NBA playoffs. Round one is done. The only two teams that were able to win their series without going seven games was the Miami Heat and the Washington Wizards. Uh, Everybody else went seven uh, games, the full length of the first round. Now they moved it from five to seven games in the first round. And all the home teams – one, except for Brooklyn beating Toronto up in Canada. Uh, you had San Antonio knocking out Dallas. Uh, as I said, you had Brooklyn over Toronto. Indianapolis finally woke up from the midseason slumber and knocked off the eight seed Atlanta Hawks. OKC knocked out Memphis, and the Clippers beat Golden State, in which was 
one of the most memorable series in NBA history because of the unnecessary drama that was added to the series uh, by the situation with the Clippers owner, uh, Down Sterling. Uh, I don't really want to get into it a lot because it's a dead horse. I hope it's over. I hope that the NBA, the steps that the NBA has taken will eliminate him from ownership. Uh, Hopefully they're able to gain the votes to oust him, uh, much like baseball did with Marge Schott, although baseball with their antitrust exemption could could wield a stronger sword than what uh, the new Commissioner Silva can do in the NBA. But hopefully they can get this man out and if not, I think as long as this cloud is hanging over the NBA's head, I do believe that it's going to cause problems next uh, next season because I can't imagine uh, players wanting to play and, and line the pockets of such an owner. And it's unfortunate that for the remainder of the season, he'll still be getting money. And uh, even if he does sell the team, he will be selling it uh, – for a major profit, he bought the team for $12 million and it's estimated that it will sell for anywhere from $700 to $1 billion, $700 million to $1 billion. So he'll make plenty of profit, but uh, baseball, basketball, football, any major sports, uh, there's no room for ownership like that. Um, I saw somewhere during the week where, uh, the book $40 Million Slaves was mentioned. And if you haven't read it, it's a book by William C. Roden, uh, a journalist, sports journalist, who talks about these types of situations in part of his book. So if you ever get a chance to read it, go check out $40 Million Slaves. Great book. But back to the real stuff. Let's get back to sports. So matchups now, um, we're down to the Elite Eight. In the West, we've got Oklahoma City. We've got Portland, we've got Los Angeles Clippers, and we've got the San Antonio Spurs. Out in the east, we've got the Brooklyn Nets, Miami Heat, the Washington Wizards, and the Indianapolis um, Pacers. They'll be competing to see who goes to the conference championships. Uh, One little note that I do want to make, Miami knocked out uh, Charlotte Bobcats. That will be the last game that the Charlotte Bobcats will ever lose. Not that they're going to win the rest of their games for the duration of their franchise, but they have decided to go back to the original name of the Charlotte franchise, and they will be known as of next season back as the Hornets, uh, the Charlotte Hornets. So um, that was just a little bit of trivia, a little bit of knowledge uh, that you might want to bet on in about 30 years. Uh, Who was the last team to beat? the Charlotte Bobcats, and that would be the Miami Heat. In the in this 2014 first round of the playoffs. So as of tomorrow, Monday, round two will start. You've got the Wizards playing against the Pacers, and you've got the Clippers at Oklahoma City. Those should be two good series. I'll go ahead and make my prediction. Now, I'm going to go for an upset because I just don't like the way that Indianapolis has been playing, I'm going to say that John Wall and these young fellows over in Washington will knock them off. Not sure how many games, but I think they will knock them off. Now, the Clippers versus Oklahoma City, I think that's going to be a great matchup. Uh, Some great players, Chris Paul, always a little banged up, a little nicked up, and Westbrook and Durant 
and Serge Ibaka and all the great players that play for OKC. I just don't see the Clippers beating them, although they got Paul and Griff and, Griff and uh, uh, you know, McGee. But I don't, I'm taking Oklahoma City to win that game. Tuesday, you've got the Brooklyn Nets, and they're three old guys and, and they're young guys playing against the Miami Heat. Although Brooklyn uh, swept the, the series this year, regular season, I think they knocked them off four straight. I don't see Brooklyn winning the series. It may go six but Miami will still win the series. And what I suspect will be a great series will be the Portland Trailblazers versus the San Antonio Spurs. Every year, San Antonio does their thing. They don't shock anybody. They don't impress anybody. They don't do a whole lot during the season that really opens eyes. But all of a sudden, at the end of the year, they've got the best record in the NBA. They've got home court, and they peak at the right time. They've got some young players. They've got some ancient players, but they blend together with Coach Popovich, and they play some of the best ball at year's end. So you've got and you've got Portland, this young upstart team with players that most people don't know. You know, Lamarcus Aldridge, and you know some of these guys, no, no one's ever heard of unless they're just absolute basketball nuts. And and they they peak and they've peaked at the right time. They're, they're coming into their own. Uh, they had a great series that they won, uh, but I don't see them knocking off the old guys. Manu Ginobili, Parker, uh, Duncan, Kawhi Leonard, the names just keep going and going. The young guys, Green out of North Carolina, you know, who is just a three-point shooting beast. You, I just don't see anybody beating them in, the, in that round. And so you're looking at uh, divisional finals will be Oklahoma against San Antonio, which we all know will be an absolutely war of a series. Uh, if that doesn't go the full length, doesn't go seven games, I'd be absolutely shocked. And then you've got Washington against Miami. Miami sitting on rest. They swept their first series, so they've had rest through this round. Um, I think they've played like four games in the last 40 days or something, nonsense like that. So they're going to be rested up. Dwayne Wade's legs will get some, has gotten some time off. So I don't see these young Washington Wizards coming in and making too much of a problem out of this series. They may sneak a game, but I don't think it's going to be any more than that. In all honesty, I expect it to be a sweep. Miami will be rested up again. Uh, the two teams in the West will beat each other up and stagger into the finals, and they'll be playing a fresh Miami Heat team so I'm definitely expecting uh, Miami to win in the East, San Antonio to win in the West, and Miami to win it all. Uh, you did have a Kentucky Derby this weekend. The, Kentucky, I, I, the only reason why I'm going to mention the Kentucky Derby, not because of who won, not because of who lost, no other reason, not because there was a woman on a horse, but they just had a horse by the name of Uncle Si. And it was spelled S-I-G-H like he Ah, but I just thought it was a very uh, contemporary name, a very uh, popular name at this time with all the popularity of Doug Dynasty and the person on there called Uncle Cy. Uh, I just kind of like the name. So that's why I picked. He didn't win. I don't even care who won. I didn't bet any money on it. I don't drink uh, mint juleps, and I don't wear big old floppy hats, so I really could care less about who won the Kentucky Derby. Uh, 
Again, you're listening to the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. This is the man, Motormouth Mosley, back on the air, running his mouth, talking about sports. Get some callers. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. As I said, this was a last-minute show that I kind of put together, and not many people were aware that I would be on the air tonight, so I don't expect anybody to call, but if they do, that's good. If they don't, I'm just going to run my mouth probably for the next 17 minutes or so. Um, in another sport, baseball. Want to touch on baseball and what's going on there? You can't get overly excited about baseball this early in the year. You've got a 162 game schedule. I think they're about a fifth of the way through with the season. Uh, so you really can't get overly excited about who's in first, who's not playing well, because there's just so many games left that teams can turn it around either for the good or for the bad, and up until you get to about, I'd say, 140 games into the season and see who's actually really playing ball, I don't know if what's going on right now really matters a whole lot. But um, as of today, in the American League, you've got the New York Yankees a half game up over the Baltimore Orioles. In the American League Central, you've got the Detroit Tigers four and a half games up over Minnesota. Out in the wild, wild west, you've got the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, two games up over my Texas Rangers. Of those three divisions right now, um, I can see Baltimore, Yankees. I think that whole division right there, I think there's like two and a half games separating the first-place team and the last-place team. So that is the most likely to see change. They're all playing about the same level of ball. So that still, you know, draw a name out of a hat who might win. Yankees will always probably be up there in contention. We're just not so sure how, how, how long those old guys will last. Losing Robinson Cano to Seattle, how much is that going to hurt them? A-Rod not playing, going through litigation, serving a suspension. We're not sure how that's going to affect them. But right now, they're still in the first game by the slimmest of margins, half game. Detroit Tigers with their pitching staff, they're hitting um, four and a half games up already. That will probably be a division that will be, has already been decided unless they go through some major injuries on their pitching staff. You've got Verlander, who every year is a beast. Um, I don't see how anybody's going to really catch them. They're just a solid ball club. Out in the West, I do expect my Texas Rangers to catch up with the Atlanta, I mean the Oakland A's. I expect them to dominate. Ron Washington will keep his boys playing ball. Now they can not only beat you by hitting home runs as they've done in the past, but they can also beat you with some great pitching. We've got a lot of pitchers that are out on the DL. Holland is out. Uh, we've got some nicked up guys. But uh, U Darvish is still U Darvish, uh, one of the great young arms in Major League Baseball. And our, uh, our lineup uh, is very, very solid. We're missing uh, Profar, who's out with an injury, but uh, don't see uh, a whole lot of change going on in that division. Out in the National League, you've got the Atlanta Braves. A half came up over the Washington Nationals, which I guarantee you will go down to the last weekend of the season. In the Central, you've got Milwaukee at five and a half games over St. Louis. And in the West, you've got San Francisco two games up over the Colorado Rockies, another division that will more than likely go to the end of the season, and it will be 
down to the wire. So, again, you've got divisional leaders right now that may or may not be there at the end of the year. It is just absolutely too early to tell with most of these who will be there in the long haul and who will fade away, uh, who will turn their season around and uh, whose season's already over. Again, let's say that one more time. You're listening to the Motormouth Mosley Radio Show. This is your man, Motormouth Mosley. You can listen to uh, episodes live, or you can go back and listen to them on podcast, on iTunes. You can also catch them all on Blog Talk Radio. That's www.blogtalkradio forward slash Motormouth Mosley. Uh, it's been a couple of months or so since I've been on the air, and I am so happy to be back running my mouth voicing my opinions that some people may not agree with, but that's okay. We're going to transition over into the greatest sport in existence, and that would be the NFL. This coming week, we've got the NFL draft coming up. I believe it's Thursday night, and uh, you will have some instantaneous millionaires made that night. You will have a lot of dreams that will be taking another step toward fulfillment. Some guys who have busted their butt and worked very hard for this opportunity in this moment. I wish all of them the best. You will have some teams that are looking to fill some holes, uh, some gaps, uh, some missing missing elements of their team. And you will have some teams that will draft players and have no idea how bad they are. And uh, the Achilles Smith and the Ryan Lease of the world, so we don't know what's going to overall be the future of some of these guys, but they will definitely be getting a big check. I want to give a quick shout-out to my nephew, Cedric Mosley, who is right now trying to chase his dream of playing in the NFL. He's got a couple of phone calls. Things may work out. He's had a couple of tryouts. Wish him nothing but the best. But the big question coming up this weekend is, one, who's going to be the number one draft pick? overall for the Houston Texans. Will they trade it? Will they go for a quarterback? Will they go for another position? Another one of the big questions coming up is how many quarterbacks will go in the first round? You've got guys like Blake Bortles. You've got A.J. McCarron. You've got Teddy Bridgewater. You've got Johnny Manziel. You've got all these quarterbacks, these guys who have the potential to be first-round players, but how many of them will actually go in the first round, and how many of them will actually be successful quarterbacks down the line. So the question is how many, how soon uh, quarterbacks will go in the first round. And then what's always interesting to me is what teams that first day will make a major move, uh, will either move down in the draft or move up in the draft to get a certain player that they feel that somebody else may go after if they don't move up or who feel like at the position that they're in, there's really no urgency to draft at that point, and they can move down and maybe accumulate a few more draft picks and build up depth, depth versus going after a player that, that will fit an immediate need right there at that position. So there's a lot of minor stories that go on. You don't want to see players like Brady Quinn with the camera on them sitting there for hours on end and not getting drafted when they expect to be drafted early. So there's a whole lot of other uh, sidebar stories that may happen uh, this weekend. But personally, I'd like to wish all of the budding NFL players the best of luck and great careers with whatever team 
uh, they go with. Hopefully we won't have any more of the uh, Eli Manning type, I don't want to play for this team, so don't draft me on this team. I don't really want to see that because I don't think that that's necessarily right. If you don't like the team that drafts, for you, drafts you, play the contract, two, four years, sign a new contract with somebody else. That's just the way the NFL is. You don't like it, move on. But I'm going to go down the list of the first 10 or so selections in the draft with my quote-unquote mock draft. Everybody else does one. So I'm going to throw one out. At number one, I've got the Houston Texans taking defensive end out of the University of South Carolina, Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney probably would have been the first pick last year's draft. He didn't have a great season this year. Uh, There were questions about his work ethic, about his motivation, about how much he cared to play, but six foot six, two hundred and seventy five pounds, runs a four, 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 five, somewhere in there forty meters, explosive. Uh, just a beast of a defensive in outside linebacker. You pair him up with JJ Watt on the other side and it's it's scary. It's it will absolutely be scary for the Houston Texans, for someone to defend both of those guys coming off the edge. Some people say that they actually need to go after a quarterback. I think that they do, but I don't think that they necessarily need to go after a quarterback in the first round. I think there are quality quarterbacks that they can get in the second or third round who will be able to beat out whatever scrub they got playing quarterback now because that has been a problem with that team. And without having a decent passing game, Teams were able to put eight in the box, shut down Arian Foster, and, and you know, work the Texans. So I see them not necessarily going for a quarterback in the first run. I see them going after Clowney just because he's just too good of a talent to pass up. If he does, if they do pass up on him, I know some teams will actually be lipping, licking their lips to go after him. Some teams may even move up to get him. But he is just that good of a football player, and I think Houston would be crazy not to take him as the first pick. Second pick in the draft, St. Louis has, uh, I'm going to take Greg Robinson, who's an offensive tackle out of Auburn, just a mountain of a man, just a mountain of a man. And if you have a quarterback that you are comfortable with, as they are with Sam Bradford, you have to protect his backside. So I definitely see Greg Robinson being plugged into that left tackle and taking care of his uh, blind side. Should be a done deal. At number three, this is where a lot of teams are confused because Jacksonville just has so many holes. How many different positions could they draft and fill a need? I'm going to go with the outside linebacker. They're going to go with the outside linebacker out of Buffalo, Khalil Mack. I hope that somewhere along the line they draft a quarterback. Don't go that they don't believe the hype and go for ticket sales and sign Tim Tebow just to get people in because unless he's had a major transformation in his skills, he is not an NFL quarterback, but they do need one. So we'll see if they're content with what they have or if they make a move, Johnny Manziel is on the board. They could go for him. Bortles will be available. Could go for him. But I'm going to go Khalil Mack outside linebacker Buffalo. If they do that, 
Cleveland Browns will definitely go for Blake Bortles at quarterback. No doubt in my mind, I don't think that they have the line to protect the small guy like Johnny Manziel. They need a prototypical quarterback, a guy who's going to stand back there and sling it. Bortles is your guy. He's the best-rated thrower in the draft. He's the highest-rated NFL prototypical quarterback. So that's where I believe they're going. Then you've got the Raiders out of Los Angeles. Nobody loved fast wide receivers like Al Davis. The ghost of Al Davis will live. I'm going Sammy Watkins, wide receiver, Clemson. No brainer. Um, Sammy Watkins is a – he may be better, but he is a of the same mold as Des Bryant. Big, strong, fast, great after the catch, very aggressive runner, uh, and just a beast of a wide receiver. Has a great future ahead of him, it seems like. So Raiders at number five, Sammy Watkins. The Atlanta Falcons, uh, again, another team that just has holes up and down. I don't see them needing a quarterback. They're probably very content with Matt Ryan, uh, but they do need to protect him better. So I'm going with Taylor Lewan, offensive tackle, Michigan. Now we've got the shakeup. At number seven, we've got Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay would probably go ahead and draft Mike Evans, wide receiver out of Texas A&M. But I think this is a position where Jerry will make noise. Jerry is infamous for not sleeping through a draft. He is infamous for making a splash during the draft. Whether good or bad, Jerry wants to be in the limelight on draft day. So I see him moving up. Not sure what it's going to cost him because he's already gotten rid of a lot of players because of salary cap issues and, and, uh, and players who just didn't perform. But I think at this point, Dallas will probably make a trade with Tampa Bay, move up, and get Johnny Manziel quarterback out of Texas A&M. Two reasons. One, we're not sure what's going to happen with Romo in his back. Yeah, I know he was at a Mavericks game the other night. With his, with his bro friend, uh, Jason Witten, but we're not sure how that back's going to recover from surgery. Plus, Romo's not no spring chicken. Kyle Orton can't be our guy, and the guys that we signed in the offseason are not our future. We need a quality quarterback for our future in-house, learn the offense in a year or so. Romo may have another year in him, but it won't hurt having Johnny Manziel back there learning watching, and growing as a quarterback. And if need be, throw him in. We've already had witness over the last couple of years that young quarterbacks can step in and play. So that's the surprise of the weekend. Minnesota's probably licking, will be licking their lips if Tampa Bay doesn't trade with Dallas because they're more than likely going to uh, be holding on to hopes that Johnny Manziel will be there. They'll probably hope that he's the next Fran Tarsington for you old heads who remember Fran, a scrambling, running around, magical quarterback. They probably see a lot of uh, Fran Tarsington and Johnny Manziel, but I see the Dallas Cowboys moving up and taking them off the books. Other scenarios, scenarios of note, let's say Dallas doesn't make a move and they hold Pat at 16. More than likely, they'll either move down below 16 to gather more draft picks, or they will move, they will stay 
bad 16 and probably pick Timmy Jernigan, who is a big mountain of a man, a big space eater at uh, one technique out of Florida State. He could be the pick. Hey, it looks like we have a caller online. Uh, somebody must have just checked into the show. That is a 404 number, so that's somebody from the ATL. And if I had to guess, I would guess that it's Ken the Cookie Man, but I could be wrong. Who's calling, caller? Yeah, you're right. It's Ken the Cookie Man. How are you doing? <laughs> how, how is it going, my brother from another mother out there in the dirty, dirty south, the man himself, Mr. Forbidden Fruit, how are you, Brother Ken? I'm I'm doing fine, man. It's uh, been a long time. They've been deprived us of the of the Motor Mouth Mosley show. By the time you got back on air, well, yes, it's, it's, I've I've been working through some issues in my new home, and um, uh, you, you, you're you're absolutely right. It's way overdue. Uh, for you folks who don't know, this is Ken the Cookie Man on the other line, who has a show also on Blog Talk Radio called Forbidden Fruit, where his topics are more uh, newsworthy, um, more socially uh, aware type conversations. Uh, Definitely definitely not uh, sports related because that's not his thing, but but it's it's actually uh, very thought-provoking. Uh, no matter what your religious views are, if you have religion in your life or if you don't, uh, he is definitely worth a listen just to see how other people think or maybe to reinforce some of the things that you think. Um, I'm going to keep talking, although the show is about to end. You've been listening to the Motormouth Mosley radio show. I am your host, Motormouth Mosley. We will be on the air again more than likely Tuesday night at about 10 o'clock Texas time, 11 o'clock the Dirty Atlanta time, and 5 o'clock in Hawaii. So stay tuned and listen in, but I'm definitely happy to have you on. So what's going on, my man? Oh, nothing much, man. Just sitting here relaxing on a Sunday, trying to get some rest. Let me uh, check into the Motor Mark Motor Show. Even though I was kind of sleepy, I was like, I'm going to make sure I listen. And uh, at least I caught like a little bit earlier in the show, and I caught like the last four minutes. I caught, went on a call then. I did everything from my phone. Normally, I do stuff on my computer. But I said, I'm going to call in and, and hear what you got to say about uh, what's going on in sports. I know you talked about you, you You were out. You were not broadcasting, doing like one of the big things in the NBA, one of the, 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 the news stories of the NBA. I don't know how you covered that on your show. Today, I'm curious to know what you what you, what you said. I touched on it very very little. Uh, you, I, I'd assume that you're talking about this whole Dan Sterling ownership yeah. uh, gossipy. Uh, I, I I touched on it a little bit, but I didn't want to dwell on it because I wanted to go away because I'm sick of it already. It's uh, <laughs> he he's he's not worth uh, that much attention, but people like him. Uh, you need to be aware of, and what I did do is I uh, I noted a book that I read a couple of years ago called Forty Million Dollar Slaves, which is written yeah. by William C. Roden, who is an African American uh, journalist. I think he's out of Baltimore. He went to uh, mm-hmm. Morgan State, and uh, 
he taught he touched on that was one of the subjects that he touched on um about how uh these millionaire players uh are basically more concerned about their paychecks than they are being aware of what's going on around them as a community. Whereas in the past you had players like Bill Russell and Muhammad Ali, who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who were very um, vocal about very vocal, the, status, yeah. the, the status of African-American athletes in this country and of African-American people in this country. And uh, so I basically referenced uh, Bill Roden's book, uh, Say that that I, I hope that the owners uh, are able to oust him, much like baseball did with March Shot. Uh, people like him don't surprise me; their ignorance surprises me. Because how stupid could you be? But any man that has two girlfriends and a wife, and uh, that's a whole different lifestyle that uh, uh, has its own set of issues. So I definitely didn't dwell on it; I touched on it. Uh, but he's not worthy of my time. Yeah, we, we talked about it. We had a show. In fact, there are two shows that talked about that. And we, I even referenced the $40 million slave in my, uh, in my description of the show and uh, how, we, how that kind of played in, into the whole scheme of things. And, 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 I, and I, I can see that. It, even in the book, the book probably a little bit more inflammatory than what, what, what you read in the book. Uh, as far as you know, what was it forty million dollars slave? Wow, that's wow, that's saying a lot. And some people will, will take uh, offense to that that title uh, that they're not slaves. I mean, they're getting paid. I mean, how can you be a slave? You're getting paid forty million dollars on your contract. Uh, just like being a, in the corporate world, I would imagine. But they are getting paid quite a bit of money and have lifestyles better than uh, the quote unquote people who are white who were never slaves. Right. Now, it, but it, it, I, I think what he's kind of referencing is that, they, that what, what, what's being what's happening is their silence is being basically brought out. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, players, athletes like Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, oh, LeBron Tiger, James. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and, and Michael too. Uh, you know, Michael, these guys. Michael, Michael, he, he finally came out. Normally, he's like very quiet. And, and normally, well, like, this, it's really, I really think, high. Yeah, you're right. But this, this, this scenario, this situation was so volatile that he had to say something. Now, if as an athlete, would he have said anything then when he would have been jeopardizing his money or, or, or you know, enforcement? Would he have said something then? Don't know. Uh, but, I, you know, even LeBron, he had his statement that he made. But, you know, this one was kind of a no-brainer. You, you, the only person I saw that even came close to uh, not just vilifying this guy was Mark Cuban. What, what Mark Cuban was basically talking about was that this is a slippery slope, that once you uh, vilify this guy for something that happened in a private conversation, that, yeah. you know, then privacy comes into effect. And as an owner, I understand that. But, right. hey, that just means you need to watch who you associate with. Uh, and, and, exactly. and everybody knows the old saying that uh, hell hath no wrath like a woman scorned. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> even, right. Even no. Sterling came out and said after, I wish I had paid her off. 
Well, even if she had paid off, she still probably would have done it. But uh, it's possibly. It's possibly. I just you think tell that she, she set it up. I mean, she she was very you know, uh, it was very calculated the way she conducted the conversation. Under a normal conversation, you think that she would have been more uh, rebellious at the end, but she was basically, you know, you know, very consoling to him. And what can she do to make it right? And I think she's just trying to paint herself in, in, in a good light, a positive light, throughout the whole, whole conversation. Um, well, first you know. of all, she 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 got a whole lot of money for selling the video. Yeah. She's probably sure. trying to look at. I wouldn't be surprised if she pops up on some reality show and, and she's looking for some celebrity to come out of this. Um, of course. Uh, of course she is. You know, exactly. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, she's not very intelligent. Well, um, the, and the reason why I say that, I mean, she's conniving and she's, you know, she's manipulative and you know, she did what she did. But I watched her in an interview, and I just saw a snippet of it, and it was her and Barbara Walters, I think it was. And Barbara asked her, uh, do you consider Sterling a racist? And she said no. And then Barbara asked her, have you, have you heard him say these types of things on, you know, right, right. repeatedly? Towards black people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she said, yeah. So, wait a <laughs> <No>. minute. <laughs> <laughs> he's saying racist <laughs> stuff all the time, but you don't think he's racist. And she said, well, you know, sometimes people say, sometimes people say things in the heat of the moment. Well, either, you, either you're saying what you really feel. Exactly. 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 You're being very truthful at that point. You know, either when you're drunk or you're mad, you're being, you're being That's truthful. Right. That's right. The true you is coming out. So uh, on the show, which I think has actually stopped recording, uh, I have – I let it you get, go. Get them, don't, don't, you get, don't, you, don't, you get, don't you get 15 minutes? I think it's for that. At least. Uh, 15 minutes have passed. Oh, no, it's, only, it's been only eight minutes. But, yeah, you're exactly right. You, uh, you get about 15 minutes uh, that appear on the, the podcast and uh, the replays yeah. but doesn't go on the air. So, yeah, uh, we're still on the – we're still being recorded. Uh, but I don't think that uh, her motivation – I don't know if he had dumped her or she had dumped him, but in either case, she was going to get something out of the deal and yeah. uh, manipulated wife, her way to get what she needed and did. I think the wife um, had like a lawsuit towards her. And right. so I think things were crumbling down as far as her relationship probably, so maybe this is her way out. Maybe there's yeah, friction. absolutely, because I know he had another. He got another quote unquote girlfriend slash mistress. Uh, I know that uh, they tried to interview the wife at one of the games. I think it was game number six, and she refused to go on air. But she did make a statement that she didn't agree with anything uh, that was stated in the recording, and that she wasn't a racist, never has been a racist, uh, but wouldn't go on air and say anything. So I don't know if she was just trying to distance herself uh, from his situation. Could but be, uh, my thing is that you're a billionaire. I mean, she had, his girlfriend, she had some skin problems. I mean, she had, she had to wear makeup to cover her skin issues. You think he could have 
you know, got, you know, with some extra money, could have got a little bit more flawless uh, side piece. Um, you know, I well, don't know. Well, he didn't mind being... He didn't mind being seen being seen in public with her, um, and and maybe maybe he wasn't. Well, he's he's 112 years old, so anything yeah, he right got now. under the age of 40, I mean, he was he was thrilled to be around. He probably saw past that. But uh, I know on my show we we said he was 80 in dog years. Uh, yeah, really, really, oh. really. I, I think he could call Methuselah kid, uh, and you know his. <laughs> His priorities, his 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 way of thinking, uh, in no way uh, I can relate to probably. So you know, she was probably you know, better. He's better than what he had. Uh, right. Something different. Right. I don't know what his thinking was, but uh, he, think? he he still will come out smelling like a rose because he's going to make a whole lot of money. Uh, as I said, he bought the team for twelve billion, twelve million dollars. What he bought him, he's yeah. probably going to sell it from anywhere from about seven hundred million to a uh, billion dollars. So he's going to make tons of money. He, if he's smart, he's very litigious because he's he's been in and out of court for years for other things that he's done, uh, discriminatory wise. So he's used to this song and dance, but he's going to come out making a whole lot of money, and he may just go away. Hopefully, he'll just go away quietly. Do you think that the the punishment fit fit the crime? Um, I'm not sure if that was a real if this is a real punishment to be honest. Because like I said, he's going to sell this team and make about oh yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah yeah yeah. Dollars. I <laughs> so right, not, I'm not sure that there's not. a punishment, but uh, no, I, I don't believe that there is a place in today's sports or business. For someone with those beliefs, especially someone who's stupid enough to vo- to verbalize them uh, and get recorded, so no, I I think he needs to be gone. Um, I don't want to hear from him again. I, There's so many others. Um, I bet. Well, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are owners who may have some of the same thought processes, who are making billions of dollars on the back of a league that's 80% African American. But it, uh, and I would rather know how you feel about me than to have you feel about me and use my skills to benefit yourself and and actually have a major disdain for me and my type, uh, you know, in in behind closed doors. So, yeah, I'm sure there are CEOs and uh, CFOs and big businesses that feel the same way about people, whether they're African American or or Hispanic or Asian. And you know they're making their money off their backs. If it comes out public, they need to go. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I just think that you know I don't know. I think the, the, the lifetime ban. Well, there's probably no number that you can give him uh, that would sound right and still not be in, in itself still a lifetime ban. Uh, if, if you say 20 years, that's probably still a lifetime ban. If you say 10 years, it's probably a lifetime ban for him. Who knows? So yeah. I guess. Uh, lifetime ban is good enough, I guess. Uh, well, they, they, you know, like the, the professional sports has a precedent of doing something like this. Major League Baseball got rid of Mark Schott for her racist comments what, 20 years ago. Uh, she had to go. Um, uh, so, you know, it's not the first time that this has happened. Baseball's a little different. They have an antitrust uh, 
exemption where they can basically do whatever they want. Uh, NFL doesn't have that, but, you know, NBA doesn't have that. But they've got enough clauses in their ownership contracts where uh, if they can get the votes, they can actually oust him. He can fight it in court. But, so okay, let's say he fights it in court. If I'm the commissioner, at that point in time, I say every player on your team is now a free agent and can sign wherever he wants. How many players will sign for that owner? How many fans will pay money to go to those games? So he will start right, losing money hand over fist. Talking about 10, 10 more seconds left on the show probably. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm on my way out or off the show, but um, I just wanted to get that in. But thank you so very much for calling in, Ken the Cookie Man. I will have to check out an episode of your show soon. And I hope all is well out in Atlanta. I was hoping to get out there for Jason's wedding, but uh, I won't be able to do it. I talked to him two days ago. We had a good, long conversation. Uh, Actually, yesterday, excuse me, yesterday had a good, long conversation.